0: It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. 17 weeks, four quarters, 60 minutes. And it all
1: leads up to one winning Winning trial. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Winning Drop podcast. I'm Rita Hubbard, the NFL chick, co-host of the Glenn and Rita show on 105.7 The Fan with my guy Cordell Woodland from Shaking It Up Sports and the Ravens reporter for 105.7 The Fan. And as the Ravens get ready to prepare for their uh, divisional round weekend, Cordell, where they're waiting for, you know, their opponent and who's that's going to be. But in the meantime, Black Monday has happened. In the NFL and you know what that means there are a lot of positions that are opening up. So it appears right now the hot commodity are a bunch of ravens. Um, Washington wants to interview uh, not only someone for their head coaching position but also someone for their GM position um, and they want, they wanted to talk to Anthony Weaver, and Mike McDonald. There's other people that are looking for Mike McDonald. I believe the Carolina Panthers requested both Todd Munkin and Mike McDonald for their interviews as well as other teams. So we knew this would happen, right? Typically Super Bowl teams, even though the Ravens are not there yet, but they do have the best record in the NFL. So there's that. Um, Typically teams that are like the Ravens, um, who at some point can find their way to the Super Bowl, get totally dismantled in that regard. We've seen this happen before with the Ravens. Um, We've seen this with Sean McVay as you look at his coaching tree and see all of the coaches that are out there that came through him. Uh, But ultimately, it is what it is. It's, It's that time of year. Uh, and there are going to be multiple teams that are going to express interest in Ravens coaches and and uh, personnel people as well.
0: Yeah, that's, that's the way it goes. Um, teams want what good teams have. And, you know, the Ravens are in a situation right now where both of their coordinators are having pretty good years. Uh, Mike McDonald probably isn't a better defensive coach, defensive coordinator in the league right now. And Todd Monk and, you know, what he and Lamar have been able to do in his first year. Lamar most likely going on to win a second MVP. Um uh, Everybody wanted to see what this offense would look like under somebody different. And it's been pretty good to this point. Yep. So it's no surprise. And then Anthony Weaver. Anthony Weaver is a guy that I think gets a lot of respect around the league. Um he has been around. He's played the game. He knows a lot of people, and he has a good yep. reputation. So it's not it's not really a surprise uh, to see that either. I mean, and look, at the end of the day, these are just requests for interviews. We don't know what will happen after here. I mean, everybody thought Greg Roman was gone in 19. You know, he wins coordinator of the year. He gets all the interview requests. Wink Martindale, same thing. He was getting a lot of requests at the time, and both of those guys ended up staying here until, you know, them and the organization decided to go their separate ways. So, while, you know, it looks like Mike McDonald's the hottest name out there, or one of the hottest names out there, doesn't mean that he'll go anywhere. I mean, it's uh, these, there are openings for a reason, number one. And, number two, you know, for Mike McDonald and for Todd Munkin, uh, probably not so much Anthony Weaver, but it's specifically those two guys. Um, I think they have to, you know, they'll weigh their options. They'll see what situation best fits them. And it's not a guarantee that these head coach openings are going to be better situations than the ones that they're currently in, even though they're currently coordinators. I get everybody wants one of 32. I'm not saying that these guys don't want to eventually be head coaches, but where they sit today, you know, they may feel like they, you know, they don't need to just take what's available. If nothing's out there that they want, or if there is a job that they want and it ends up getting filled by somebody else we could see them potentially stay where they're at. It's not like they're in the worst situation.
1: That's very true. And, you know, that's a huge possibility that they look at the situation and it's like, as of right now, I'm preparing for the playoffs and I'm just not committed to putting myself together to have time to have an interview right now. That's also possible. And organizations don't necessarily want to wait long. You know what I'm saying? Let's say the Ravens do move to the Super Bowl That's February we're starting to talk Mm -hmm. about. And lots of times people want to have their guys in place, you know, as they start moving into the new NFL season, which will be uh, March the 1st. So I'm just not really sure if they're going to be in a position where number one, of course, they're going to be in a position where they can get interviews, but do they want to do it? Do they feel like that that's a distraction for them right now? Because, the ultimate goal is to, you know, get to a Super Bowl and potentially win it. Um, that, to me, is the biggest thing. And then, look, being a high commodity means you can pick whoever you want to go to or you can stay back and say, I don't want to do that at all. Todd Monk, this is only his first year back in the NFL since being at Georgia for a few seasons, he might want to not move on. He might want to try to see what he can do here like he did at Georgia, build a couple championships, and then say, I'm ready to step out on my own. I do think that Mike McDonald is probably, if I had to choose between the two, he probably is the one that I feel like has the better chance of leaving. But ultimately, we don't know if that's what he wants to do either. That if the, if the position is not perfect for him, we don't know if that's where he wants to go. So I really think it's based on do they want to commit to interviewing during the bye week, which they do have time, or do they want to commit to you know, being focused on what's going on in the organization with the Ravens. And I'm not judging either way, by by the way. I don't want to make it seem like if they choose the former, that they're not good coaches. Mm-hmm. Because at the end of the day, you have to make the decision that's best for you and your family. But ultimately, it depends on what is more important to them at this moment. And that, to me, I think will gear towards where this will go, or if it goes anywhere, and then they decide to stay for 2024.
0: Yeah. I mean, look, I, I, I think that you know, like we said, it's going to ultimately be based off of what's what's best for them. And right now, like Mike McDonald, yeah, he is. He's the hot name. He's the one that has been in Baltimore for the last two years. You know, it's not out of the realm of possibility that maybe he wants to see what's next for him. Um, I, I just, like I said, I think it really is just going to boil down to what jobs end up being available and teams are trying to move fast. Like you said, I mean, uh, I, I know Washington is trying to move very fast. Their owner spoke on uh, what Tuesday and let it be known to, oh, I'm sorry, Monday and let it be known that they wanted to move really fast after moving on for Rivera and trying to fix their front office. And I'm pretty sure a lot of teams are going to want to do the same, especially if you have, You know, if you're in a situation to where you have like a top 10 pick, which most of these teams that have moved on are somewhere in that area. They want to get to work on their offseason immediately and start figuring out what players they're going to bring in this offseason to help their team uh turn the corner and maybe figure out what the staff is gonna look like. It's 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 the domino effect. There's so many things that have to happen. And for all those teams that didn't make the playoffs, their their offseason started on Monday. You know, that's that's the way it goes for them. So yeah, I mean we'll see what happens. You think back to 19, uh that was one of the talking points, I guess, about Roman and how much was, you know, was the talk of him getting a different job and interviewing for all these other jobs how much of that was a distraction and how much did it take away from you know them actually being able to put in the work for the task at hand so we'll see what they decide to do um but all in all i, I don't think that'll be the case with them with this team this year they they seem pretty locked in and focused um i i think that this isn't a surprise to them they knew right. they'd have half- sure you know, these guys names is brought up and um I-, I think they plan for this and they'll be just fine.
1: I agree. Um, You know, it, it, again, it's their prerogative. They can see, they can do whatever they want to do, but listening to um Lamar on the podcast with Jim gray and Tom Brady, you know, how focused he is, how he's like, I'm not taking nothing off. I'm watching the teams that I think I'm, <laughs> that we're going to play. And, you know, I just got to assume that these these coaches are doing the same thing and that, you know, that's on the back burner. Look, and again, they could interview, I'm I'm sure. I'm sure you can do two things at once. You can walk Mm -hmm. and chew gum at the same time. Both things can happen, right? But something is probably going to not get as much care and attention as the other. That's probably going to be the case. And in this case, it's going to be, you know, I have to assume that them coaching for uh, a deep run in the playoffs is their priority, and then, the, and then the secondary is going to be what their future looks like. So if an organization wants a bad enough, I mean, they're not going to care. As long as you just pass the minimal things, it's not going to matter. But ultimately, I think that they're going to be more geared towards trying to get themselves prepared for a deep run and potentially a Super Bowl. So we'll see how this goes. We'll see if by the time we do our next one, will they have had – Some uh, requests honored, and uh, will they take some interviews? But we'll find out, I guess, in the next coming days how these interviews and how the movements for the head coaching positions go. Wild card weekend, or they call it super wild card weekend now, that you've added an extra team. So there's six games that's being played this weekend, Cordell. So we have to wait and see who the Ravens will be playing in the divisional round. But what we do know is that there are four potential suitors in terms of who they're going to play. That's going to be the Browns, the Dolphins, the Steelers, or even the Houston Texans. So this is the question that I am going to propose to you, and I'll answer myself. What's the best matchup for the Ravens? And look, I know we're going to both preface and say, oh, you know, anybody can come and and all that. I get all of that. Best matchup. And if you want to bring in worst matchup for the Ravens.
0: Yeah. um, Look, I think all of these teams have something that you have to worry about. Um, Even the Steelers. Even the Steelers. Their ability to commit to the run and actually run the ball successfully that, that's something that probably does worry you a little bit. Um, I would still probably say that Pittsburgh is their best matchup possibility. Um, yeah, the run game worries you, but without T.J. Watt there, um, it, it, and look, he may try to give it a go by, if, if they were to get to the second round. We'll see what happens because um, it's now or never this time of year. Um, but even still, I, I would imagine a, a fully stocked Ravens team would be able to go out there and still take care of the Steelers. Um, but you always worry about that matchup. Right. You know, anything can happen when those two teams get together. Um, So, I, I you know, I'm not saying that with pure confidence, all these teams are here for a reason, but. I do like that matchup. And honorable mention, I'd probably say the Dolphins. You know, I'd I still like, if the Dolphins had to come back to Baltimore, i still like the Ravens in that matchup. Now, I don't know if they beat them by 40 again, but I think that they could still go out there and beat the Dolphins, understanding that Mostert and Waddle would probably play in that game. They just lost Van Ginkle. Uh, they did sign Justin Houston. Yeah, and they
1: signed Bruce Irvin, too. And Bruce Irvin. Just like- Recently,
0: right? So, um, I, I, I with, with even with all of that, I would say if I'm the Ravens, I'd be rooting to get either Pittsburgh or Miami.
1: Yeah, I, I, I'm with you on that for every reason that you said about Pittsburgh. I don't think that they're that good, that good of a football team, they're very good coached, they're a very good coach team, and you give them that. But even if TJ Watt does come back, you got to assume that he's not going to be 100 percent if he plays. Um, look. The Steelers had their guys out there um, in week 18. And what we learned is that Tyler Huntley had the best, the second longest time in the pocket in that weekend. So I can't imagine what that's going to be like with Lamar Jackson under center and your wide receivers being there. Um, I think that that's a completely different game. And yes, I do think that the run game is potentially an issue there. But again, you had guys like Roquan that didn't play. You had guys like Kyle Hamilton you did that didn't really necessarily play. So I think that it it changes the trajectory of how that goes. I think that the Ravens know what happened the first time that they played, aren't happy about it, and want to change and right the ship. And I think that right now the Steelers and this the Steelers are just not. Better than the Ravens, and I don't think that we'll see eight drops like we saw in the right. last game. So, there's that. Um, in terms of the worst matchup, obviously the Houston Texans have played much better since their week one game against the Ravens, so um, there is that. Um, but I do think that you already know how I feel. I'm concerned. it's more concerning to me about the Browns, they're a division opponent. They have a guy that is up for Defensive Player of the Year in Miles Garrett who completely wrecked havoc in the second game. The first game, he was relatively quiet. The second game, he just – he was the Tasmanian devil out there for some reason in the second half. Their defense is very good. And, yes, while their personnel is – their offensive scheme is not – to be desired. It's not anything spectacular. The personnel that they have is pretty good and it helps do that. And uh, what makes it go and Joe Flacco being there under center is a much better option than the other two guys that they had back there and PJ Walker and Dorian Thompson Robinson. So.
0: And you could throw Deshaun Watson in there. Honestly, he's better than Watson right now.
1: Well, yeah, he is playing better than Watson right now. Now Joe is going to give you some picks because that's oh, what he's done sure. since he's has got and you gotta say you gotta hope that the Ravens would capitalize off of that, but the Browns, to me, because of the division, because of how they've played on defense, to me, I, I think it's the more concerning of the four that are available playing Wild Card Weekend. And of course, you know, in my brain, I've already assumed that the Browns are going to somehow advance themselves mm-hmm. and make themselves here in Baltimore at M&T Bank Stadium in two weeks, but any concerns that you have. And look, this is, this is just concerns, not scared, not saying that, Oh, you know, this, that, and the third, but you got to be realistic about who could potentially be problematic in terms of matchups. And I think that Cleveland due to the history and due to the way that they have played gives the most concern out of the four that we've talked about.
0: Yeah. I mean, and I, I think that's spot on. I mean, I, I look at the, uh, um, I look at the Browns and they to be honest, I agree with you. I think that they are the most dangerous team that they would have to go against. The narrative that's there, obviously, with Joe coming back to Baltimore and you look at what that defense is able to do and Joe getting the most out of those weapons on the offensive side of the ball right now. I mean, they they are scary. But for the sake of the show, I'll go a different route. I can make an argument for the Texans being the most dangerous team uh that being the, the worst matchup for the Ravens in the divisional round. I mean, that's an offense that has to scare you. They now defensively, they don't scare you a lot. One thing they can do, they can force some turnovers. They usually get a pick or two a game, get some sort of momentum shifting play defensively, but they're going to give up quite a bit. Um, But it's offensively that they can put the pressure on you and they, space to field better than any offense I've seen to this point. They have people running wide open. It really looks like a college offense when mm-hmm. I watch the Texans. I mean, you watch Washington, who obviously they couldn't get those types of plays uh, to work for them um, on uh, the, in a championship game. But I, I still believe that the Texans are a team that with their offensive scheme and they're running the ball. Well, Stroud's back. I don't even know if the Browns make it out of that game game. The last time the Browns beat up on the Texans, they didn't have CJ Stroud. I don't know if Nico Collins even played in that game. Both of those guys are back and they're playing at a high level right now. So, so that's definitely a team that scares me a team that's not supposed to be here. You know, they don't, they don't have anything. They're playing with house money right now. Out of all the teams that are in the postseason right now, they're the ones that are playing with really no pressure on them.
1: Right. I agree. Look, They went from fighting for a playoff spot to winning the division and grasping the four seed. So you're right. And this is the, you know, rookie head coach, rookie quarterback, um, you know, rookie defensive captain. So you're right. They, they really don't have a whole lot of pressure because this is just their first, you know, round and they're young and they just look like, Hey, let's just go out there and have some fun and see how this goes. So I agree with you. My concern for them is, their run defense is very, very suspect against mm-hmm. the Texans. I mean, I watched Jonathan Taylor put a clinic up mm-hmm. on them. And so I think the less possessions that you give the Texans, the better opportunities that you have in terms of not, you know, in terms of making sure that you also don't turn the ball over as well, obviously, right? No fumbles, no picks. But keeping the possessions away from them then puts them in a position where they – are kind of their backs are against the wall, and you could potentially have C.J. Stroud make some mistakes as a result. But ultimately, um, I do think that they are a very a team that I think people think when I say that I think that the Browns are going to advance that they mean that I'm poo-pooing the Texans, and that's not necessarily true. I think that young teams just have to kind of go through the motions mm-hmm. as opposed to teams that are a little bit more seasoned. So that's really my logic behind it, but I think that they're going to be a team that's going to be a problem, you know, for years to come. And who knows? You know, they really could make the upset and uh, win against Cleveland. I just don't love their run defense. That's my only problem, which, in my opinion, is beneficial for the Ravens, who like to right. run the focus.
0: So oh, for sure, I mean, Cleveland's there without question. Cleveland's the team that scares you the most. I mean, they're the ones that's – them and Miami are probably the two teams that are misseeded right now. When, when you look at the the seeds in the playoffs, um, it's amazing Buffalo somehow ended up getting up to two, getting up to the two seed that that's pretty crazy. Um, yes. Yeah. I mean, you, the Browns, that's a team that defensively might have one of the best defenses in the league, uh, a top three defense in my mind. Um, and offensively, they just, are playing with a lot of momentum, a lot of confidence. Joe is just giving them a spark right now that they need it. And they're hitting on big plays down the field in the past game. They can still run on you. Um, it's all about getting pressure on Flacco, though. If you can get pressure on him, which I think that the Ravens have shown when you can the fact that they've shown me that they can get to guys like Purdy and and two or two guys who have get all day to throw the ball. They, they really get to take their time back there. Them showing the ability to put pressure on those types of quarterbacks lets me know that they could get to Joe. And Joe don't want to move, so that that would kind of mm-hmm. be where you can really force him into making some mistakes.
1: Yeah, and, I, and as much as um I can say, Cleveland has a really good offensive line. If you can kind of get Joe rattled early when it comes to pass situations and kind of get in his head, I do think that that, helps their situation. So it will be interesting to see how these uh, uh, playoffs play. We won't know until, you know, Sunday, how this will all play out. Um, But until then, again, like I said, the last uh, segment, Lamar is already locked in. He said he's watching all of it. He's going to make sure that he's tuned in, seeing what's going on and trying to be prepared for what's next in terms of what this team is going to be facing in the divisional round. All right, so one thing we did, we typically do every week is pats on the hat. But the regular season is over. So let's do a seasonal pat on the hat. Uh, who do you have? You'll give your three. I'll give my three in terms of pat on the hat for the entire 2023 NFL regular season. I'll let you go first.
0: Who well, you got caught Well, I mean, if I'm gonna go first, and we gotta start with the head guy, we gotta start with Lamar, is <laughs> of probably course, probably about to win his second MVP. Yep. Um in, in such a pivotal year for him signing that long uh the five-year extension after what's gone on the last two years. You know, a lot of people question whether it was the right move for the Ravens, whether this would even happen, what it would look like with him with the new offensive coordinator, because a lot of people swore by Roman was saving Lamar. You know, that system was really the one that was perfect for Lamar and that that nobody knew what it would look like if Lamar was in a system like this, where they ask more of him, where he has to be more quarterbacky and, you know, and, and and make adjustments at the line of scrimmage and actually throw the ball all over the field. And he has continued to just check every box that people have for him. Um, obviously, as he goes, the Ravens go. It's no surprise yeah. that the last two years when he gets hurt, the Ravens season kind of nosedives. It's, it's the way it goes. So especially this year, you look around the league and so many Starting quarterback, so many star players are hurt this year. It's it's great that Lamar is there. Um, because as long as he's on the field, the Ravens always have a chance. So uh Lamar definitely gets the pat on the hat for me.
1: Yeah. Uh I I love how people try to act like Lamar didn't play in a pro-style offense in college. Like I understand that the highlights were a lot of times you showing him running around, but Lamar. Really did a whole lot with a lot less in college in terms of the passing game. So, uh, you know,
0: my bad. One, one other thing because I saw Blank talk about why he didn't go after Lamar, and I've mm-hmm. seen other people say this thing, and it's kind of just irked me a couple times where they're like, "Well, this he's having a great year this year. Like, let's yeah. let's not act like this is a one-off year. One-off, one yeah." Off. Because this is a former unanimous MVP, I would make the argument that 2019 individually was a better, still the best version of Lamar I've ever seen to this point in his career. Individually, he does a lot of different things now to beat you. He just, he has just found a different way to do it. But in terms of it being more eye poppy, 19 was the year that he was. Just wow, just wow Wow. all year. So I I don't like that because I've heard Rich Eisen kind of throw that out there a couple of times too. I don't like that people are saying, well, we see what he's doing this year, no. No, it's not just this year that he's done this. Even the even okay, last year wasn't great for the offense in general. But two years ago, when he got hurt, the Ravens were still having a really good year at that yep. point. Lamar was Up to in that MVP point conversation yep. to that point. So let's yep. not act like this dude is just now all of a sudden out of nowhere became one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL.
1: I think the difference between 2019 and now is just the maturity and him mm-hmm. being in the league longer. He was in a, he was a second-year player in 2019. Now he's in his sixth year, and he has um, better personnel, and he has uh, better coaching around him. And I think that that's just – that's why – you know, he's always been the same player, but some, when you put better things around you, then you, you know, ascend. And that's what's happened with Lamar going into this season. Um, I'll give one to uh, Justin Matabike, man. I mean, look, it, it is a contract gear, but doesn't matter. The man has played lights out. And um, you are curious about what's going to happen with his future with Baltimore. I know a lot of people are concerned. They would love to keep him. I would too. But ultimately, he has played at such a high level. And I'm not sure if we all thought that this was going to happen, well, you know, because it's like a lot of times you'll say, Oh, this is a contract year. They'll 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 play at a high level, but it's kind of hard to say if that's going to happen, right? Mm-hmm. Kind of hard to, to propel and know what someone is going to do. But look, 13 sacks on the season, he had what 10 straight games of a half sack or more, something like that. Mm-hmm. Um you, you know the guy has played at such a high level, and I'm just really uh, happy for him Um, because, you know, uh, we were, I think, a couple years ago, everybody was cu- curious to know how he was going to develop, and I think that he's developed just fine. So I'm going to give one to Justin Matabike, hoping that maybe he can continue his career with the Baltimore Ravens, but that is to be determined.
0: Yeah, I think at least next year he probably will. I I would have met if I'm a betting man. I'm going to say he's probably the guy that gets the franchise tag. Um, so you know, I I would imagine either way that the Ravens are going to at least get one more year out yeah. of Justin Matab-K. Um, I'll stay on the defensive side of the ball. Go to another guy that's in a contract year, Patrick Queen. I, I think Patrick. Yeah. I think the world of Patrick Queen. I really do. I, I I'm not in this boat of people that. Feel like he's replaceable. As great as Roquan Smith is, as great as Roquan is, and Roquan's a stud. He is. I'm not taking anything away from him, but it it's it's yeah, they're like Batman and Robin, but man, the, the Robin is like really good, like really good. And I don't know if you can just say we can put anybody there and they'll give you. You know, pro- definitely not the same what Patrick Queen has given them, but maybe even close to it. I mean, you look at I, I saw that the uh, uh the Ravens had tweeted out that he leads all linebackers and pressure rates uh f- around getting to the quarterback. I think he I-, I could be wrong, but I think he did that uh, last year as well. I believe he led all linebackers and pressure rates on a quarterback as well. So um I, I think. I think Patrick Queen is a heck of a player. He's a heck of a blitzer. Uh, he's he's all he's asked to do a lot. This notion that they have asked less of him with Roquan Smith coming in is not always true. He's asked to do quite a bit. He's the guy usually that's guarding the running backs when they go out. He's the pass coverage linebacker out of the two. He's also yeah. the blitzer out of the two. You know, he's he also is there in the run game. He does, which Roquan is there too. Roquan does a lot, but I, I, I think Patrick Queen does a lot. And I think he's a guy that has kind of been taken for granted to a degree. Not that people don't appreciate him now, but even still, it's like people, I, I think people are more okay with losing him than they probably should be, in my opinion. And it doesn't help that Trenton Simpson had himself a good game on Saturday. He did have a right. good game, he did. but all it does is kind of reinforce the idea to people that oh, he can come in and he could give us the same thing Patrick Queen is. I don't think it'll be that easy.
1: I love Patrick Queen as well. I'm not sure who, how his future shakes out either, but um, it's been fun watching him and Roquan play side by side. It's been a joy. Um, I'll flip it back to the offense, and I'll say Zay Flowers. Listen, I know that the, the numbers aren't going to wow you. He only had 858 yards, five touchdowns, so it doesn't it, okay. You know, I'm sure there's other offensive uh, rookies in terms of wide receiver that you're like, well, such and such did more. But to me, the impact that Zay has had at such a short period of time, being this is just his rookie season, um, to me, is has just been phenomenal. And uh, I, I think that he has been a great addition to this offense. I think that he and Lamar have found a rapport. I think that this is something that we can be looking forward to for years to come, their connection. And um, I, I'm not really sure where this team is without Zay Flowers. Uh, I mean, he can do it all. You know, he, he can catch it in the short. He can go deep. He got interim, he goes across the middle. I don't know what Zay Flowers can't do. So um this one is for Zay Flowers, and <clears throat> I'm just hoping that um uh, we can continue to see him grow and be the great football player that we know he can be moving forward. Who else you got called out? Last one.
0: I'm a I'm throwing a wrench in it right now because there are a lot of guys that it's we, a lot. We, I know. It's a lot, and I don't want anybody to feel slighted. I'm not giving these to the people that I feel like are the best players on the team. They're just it's it's how good they are mixed with uh, the impact, mixed with expectations and maybe getting to those expectations or even exceeding expectations in cases. So I say all that to say I'm going to give my third one to Isaiah likely because I feel like he stabilized this offense to a degree. Um, It could have gone off the cliff. When Mark Andrews got hurt. I mean, it, it, you, by that point, you've already had Dobbins go down. And yep. now Mark is going down. And then and you see Stanley breaking down little by little. And it's just like, oh no, is it is it happening again? You know, is is, is it all coming down again thanks to right. injuries? And here comes Isaiah Likely, and he has just completely taken over ever since he's come in. He's been so efficient. He's been so good. He has played like one of the top tight ends in the NFL since he's taken over for Mark. So I, if he if he didn't play the way that he has since stepping in for Mark, I don't know if Lamar is able to put up some of the numbers he's put up to go on to get his MVP. I don't know if this team is winning and dominating some of the games that they did because Isaiah likely's got big plays in all of these big matchups that they've had down the stretch of the season. So um I, I he he's a guy that definitely gets a pat on the half on me because um if he he had the task of kind of trying to fill big shoes, big yep. shoes. Yep. And if he didn't I don't know if where if the Ravens are where they are right now today.
1: Hundred and ten percent. He has absolutely been a joy to watch since Mark Andrews went out, and you know I can't wait to see what those guys look like when Andrews comes back and they can potentially do some two tight end sets. So I agree with you on there. I'll give my last one to Kyle Hamilton. um You know you you. I don't know that there's enough statistics that can tell you how impactful Kyle Hamilton is. I mean PFF will tell you some things and. You know, um, if you're into DVOA, it tells you some things. But when you watch the film, Cordell, I know what this uh, defense looks like when Kyle Hamilton is in. And I know what this defense looks like when Kyle Hamilton is out. And a prime example of that is the Rams game when he got injured and he went out uh, while the Rams were able to move the ball pr- previously. I'm not saying that, but it was it, it, com- it looked completely different when Kyle Hamilton was not in that game. So it says a lot about the impact that he has and how smart he is as a player he has a he's super tall first and foremost he has like this insane wingspan and then he's very cerebral it might might be that Notre Dame uh education that he's getting over there but in in addition to being a very physical and gifted um athlete He's very smart as well, and um, he uses both of those things to make impact plays. And you really hope that he is going to be available down the stretch because this team absolutely goes with Kyle Hamilton. They use a lot of three safety sets anyway, so that's something that you know they'll they'll be missing if he's not available. But I, I'm hopeful that he'll return. This defense really thrives when he's there and they are just able to be the best version of themselves when he's there. So I'm looking forward to seeing uh, more Kyle Hamilton, more praise of Kyle Hamilton. there has been a lot of talk about Jordan Davis on the timeline lately because Mm -hmm. he's not played well. And remember the Eagles went up and jumped over the Ravens for Jordan Davis. And there was a lot of people that were thinking about, well, is Jordan, Day, you know, were the Ravens gonna get Jordan Davis? Well, look, look, it doesn't matter. Kyle Hamilton fell to them, and it has been the perfect marriage in terms of that situation. So um, I'm looking forward to seeing Kyle here in Baltimore for many years to come.
0: Yeah, Kyle's 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 a stud. I definitely am glad that one of us gave him a pat on the hat because um I think he's gonna be an all pro this year. I think he is what makes this different this defense so different from every other defense in the league is not many people that have a Kyle Hamilton. And look, I guess JOK is kind of the Browns Kyle Hamilton or poor man's Kyle yeah. Hamilton to a degree. Um, both are really good players, um, but the, the Kyle Hamilton fits, fits the role for the Ravens perfectly.
1: Yeah, completely agree with you. So um, we'll be taking your questions and your concerns on our next episode. We will be doing the Winning Drive mailbag. So if you have any questions, if you have any concerns, does any team concern you, we want to hear from you. Hit up me at the NFL Chick or at Cordell Woodland. Um, And we want to talk to you about what it is that you're looking forward to in the divisional round in our next episode. So we want to thank you all for listening. From Cordell to me, this is Winning Drive.